that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice joined by a very special guest, one of the good guys, Bo Bishop, man about town, knows the Buckeyes, knows the Browns, <laughs> knows TV, knows radio, knows Columbus, knows Cleveland. One of the smartest guys in the business that I've had the pleasure of being around the last decade plus. So, Bo, I've been on your show a few times. We are thrilled to have you on Buckeye Talk. It's a great privilege to be on it, buddy. Uh, You and I go way back, and uh, we talk about this oftentimes when you join uh, my shows. You're gracious enough to do it a lot. Uh, You were always one of the people that I would seek out when I was on the Buckeye Beat to talk to. Um, and there were many times where I would see you and especially I remember vividly in the Ohio state press box, I'd make eye contact with you. Let's go have a chat. And then we'd meet, have a little chat and, and oftentimes saw things. And if, even if not similarly, you, you would oftentimes spark something in, in me that would make me think. So I always really appreciated your work and I always wanted to be associated with you in any way I could. Well, I love, I got to talk stuff out. So I love, it's like, you got to talk it out. Say, Hey, Mm -hmm. what do you think of? And you're like my favorite. What do you think of guy? (laughs) So so this is a, what what do you think of podcast? And we're going in the way back machine just a little bit, um, which is, I wanted to have you on because you and I lived through this and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was one of those sparked on a Buckeye talk and talking about Braxton Miller. And it came up and I said, you know, I want to have a conversation about what Braxton Miller might have been as an NFL quarterback. And there's nobody I want to have that conversation with more than Bo Bishop. So you do NFL and college sports, you know, both. I want to talk about Braxton Miller and Lamar Jackson and the evolution of quarterback play in the NFL and where Braxton maybe could have fit into that. So listen, I have some height and weight and combine numbers and stats and passing and rushing numbers, but let's just talk about, I know that when Braxton was doing what he did, you thought he was special. Let's lay the groundwork with, and, and it's hard, Bo, because in revisiting this, it was I was reminded of it. Listen, 2011 was jacked up. That, yeah. ki- that guy as a freshman was put in an impossible spot, and he was like the best thing going. He provided the highlight of that year with the pass to Devin Smith to beat Russell Wilson in Wisconsin. They had no right winning that game. So that's his freshman year. 2012, and Urban Meyer said it a million times, he's a one-man offense. He's got a little bit of Carlos Hyde helping him along, but their best play was snap the ball to Braxton and let him do something. It wasn't football. It wasn't cohesive. It wasn't anything that an NFL team would look at and say, that guy, he had one year. That's it. He got one year to show us what he looked like as an actual functioning quarterback, not because of him, but because of the circumstance and what was around him. So I really want to key in kind of on that 2013 season. Yeah. But what what did you think of that guy as a player while he was doing it? So many parallels. And it's so interesting we're having this conversation now because, you know, I, I've said, you know, many times on the various shows in, in the last, you know, several months as Urban Meyer has taken the Jacksonville job that he doesn't take any other job in the NFL but that one, and he took it because Trevor Lawrence was there. I don't think he takes the Ohio State job if Braxton Miller isn't there. Um, I think you can make a very – and before we get into what he could have been, I think it's important for the kids out there who don't remember 2011 into 2012 to remember that – that this dude, in my opinion, Doug, was as important as any Buckeye in the last 20 years. Because without him, I don't think Urban gets there. Without that undefeated season in 2012, I don't know if the recruiting class is there. There was serious doubt surrounding Urban coming to Ohio State for whatever reason. There was. I covered him in Florida, and so I was pretty confident what he was going to do to Ohio State and what he would do to the program and how he would elevate it. But could he have elevated it without Braxton? And it, frankly, would he have taken the challenge without Braxton? So when you say one-man show in 2012, honestly, you can go into 2013. There's a game in, that I remember vividly at Illinois where it was wind blowing sideways, cold as heck. I think he ran for 180-some yards in that game. On the It was a single wing even in 2013. So when we say he got one season to be a, a quarterback – Sort of. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was robbed of the season that would have been to follow. And that's one of the great what ifs in all of sports. But you really have to understand how important this guy was 
to what Urban built at Ohio State, and he gets lost because, of course, the injury happens in 14, and and he's not, you know, a part of that team in 2014. And I remember in 2014 sort of yelling into the wind at times. We all very quickly transitioned to, like, JT Barrett, man, he's saving them, and he did save them. And this is not to take away from JT, who was – one of the greatest winners in Ohio state history, but it did feel like Bo over that season it evolved. Like, Hey, it's almost good. Braxton got hurt as it turned out because JT's a better point guard for this team. This is actually better. And I was yelling a lot. Hey man, I think Braxton would be doing the same thing. Yeah. Cause if you look like when well, Braxton's best year in 2013, like he's throwing to Philly Brown, man, he didn't have Michael Thomas. No. He didn't have Zeke. He no. didn't have all that. Like, the idea that Braxton could not have done that, I always push back against. And I did think he got as appreciated as he was when he saved him in 12 and when they almost made the national championship game in 13. I think people moved on very quickly and underappreciated him then as the kind of quarterback he was once they got through 14. Do you remember feeling like that happened? And what do you think he might? Now, I'll hear an argument. Because he and JT are very different, and it's about fit, and I understand that. But I think a lot of what they did in 14, Braxton could have figured that out. And then, by the way, he's a lot shiftier and faster, and he could do some things that JT can't. Well, what would Braxton have done against Minnesota that day, Doug, when it was 12 degrees below zero up there, and, and JT Barrett ran for all those yards and felt like he ran? For, what would Braxton have done in that game? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think you bring up a good point, because we were all there when the injury happened. Right. We were there and you remember it. And the feeling was, my God, it's all lost. It's all lost. There was no there was no thought that that would continue. And then you have the loss to Virginia Tech and you go, okay, this is a team that it's this is going to be a struggle. Like this could be three losses. That's what what we could be staring down the barrel at. Now, we didn't know at that time. Now, certainly you knew recruiting that they were talented, but not to the level that those kids would grow into in in that 2014 season. Um, But you're right. I mean. Didn't JT Barrett, I mean, off the top of my head, I think he finished fifth in the Heisman. In yes, 2000. he did. Yeah. So it, you moved off quickly off of it. And then it was, I remember so many times, and I'll never forget um, the Big Ten Championship game, the Sugar Bowl game against Alabama. Um, and at that point, there were two of them, you know, who were sitting out because JT was on that wheelie thing too. Yep. But you would see Braxton in those perfectly coiffed suits, uh, with the perfect pocket square, and he just looked like a pro quarterback. I mean, he carried himself that way. He had this aura around him, and he just seemed like a man without a country. And I'll never forget going into the locker room after the Sugar Bowl win against Alabama. And he was, and you remember this, he was kind of off in the corner. Um, and and JT was JT was more involved, but Braxton was really removed. And it was, I just remember being very saddened by it because I, to me, he is the most fun I had covering college football. Because on, on any moment, I mean, he was like Reggie Bush playing quarterback, or if I would have gotten to cover Michael Vick. I mean, I think he had that ability. There were so many times in, in the course of a season, and, and it's possible too, I will acknowledge, that there's a Bo Jackson element to it, where it's almost like the story of it, the mythology of it, or the way that I remember it in my mind maybe was even better than it was. I don't think so, but it's possible. I'm guilty of that. But it felt like I remember the Xbox 360 was out and, and Roy Hall on, on the 10 TV shows I, and I were on, we would call him Xbrax 360 because there was a play every game where he jump cut and made a guy miss or spun and hit a hole. He just would do something that you would say, well, I've never seen that before from a quarterback. And, and to, 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 to go into 2014 and to, to pretend that he couldn't have done that. It, I remember you and I having those conversations and, and I do think that, that we moved off quickly from him. And I think if you're looking for proof at what he meant to the program, to Urban especially, it was the effort that Urban put in the next year to try to make him an NFL receiver. I mean, I think that tells you kind of how indebted they were to him. But I do think, I agree with you. I think that we were in retrospect, not necessarily us, but I think in general, you get on a national championship train, you start winning, you forget what, what, what laid the groundwork for it. So let's talk about then the idea of how the quarterback position has changed in the NFL and how Braxton Miller may have fit into that evolution had he been healthy. One thing that I think you, you know, we realize people have to be reminded of. I remember 
talking to him at a basketball game after that Orange Bowl when he was hurt. A couple months later, he came to an Ohio State basketball game and he met with the media at halftime. And I think it was there, but that he said, if I didn't get hurt, I think I would have gone pro. Mm-hmm. So when, if we now enter the world of no Braxton Miller shoulder injury, he remains a quarterback. That probably doesn't mean he's the quarterback in 2014. It probably means he's in the 2014 NFL draft and that 2013 is his last year in college. But I was going back and researching some stuff. I watched Braxton Miller highlights. I watched Lamar Jackson highlights. I was watching some other stuff. And there were a lot of people then after the injury, Bo, when he, when he switched to receiver, I was just watching something on ESPN and people are saying, what a great switch. This is great yeah. for him. This is so smart. I'm not going to be revisionist history and just like, like everything that happened. I'm like, well, I disagreed. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think I ever thought it was a great switch because I keep saying it's one of those things. It's like when you have um, a catcher who can really hit and you move him to first base because he's not a great defensive player. And it's like, well, if you're a good hitting catcher, man, that is awesome. As soon as you move to first base, everybody at first base can hit. He was rare, like Lamar, Braxton, who else? Territory as an athlete at quarterback, you go to receiver, there's a lot of fast guys. There's guys who are as fast as you and bigger. There are guys with better hands, with better body control. And I thought the move to receiver, yes, he's athletic, but he lost his edge. He lost what separated him. He lost what made him different. As it turned out, I am not surprised he did not make it as an NFL receiver. I don't think it fits his skill set as well. But I have, I lingers for me, Bo. I think he had a shot as a quarterback because that athleticism at that position and his particular type yeah. of athleticism. And I'm looking up 60 yard shuttle and three cone drills think, things. He is the shiftiest player I've ever seen. Yeah. He's one of those guys who'll make you miss. He can evade a tackle in a phone booth kind of thing. Lamar's like that a lot as well. And that, when you're coming out from the backfield as a quarterback, that's a lot better than now I'm running my route. Now I'm catching the ball. Well, who cares if I'm shifted? The quarterback's right on me. I just, Bo, the way it worked out, I'm not shocked. But, man, that athleticism at quarterback in the NFL, I don't know, man. I think, I think it might have had a shot. So what did you think of the move? He didn't have a choice. He had to move to receiver because his shoulder didn't work anymore. But what did you think of that move? What did you think of the way his NFL career didn't work out at receiver? And then we'll get into him as an NFL quarterback. I, re- I remember taking calls uh, previous to Columbus. I was in Tallahassee and there were a lot of rumors about Florida state. Jameis Winston was, you know, had just gone or I'm trying to remember. No, he, Jameis Winston had, yeah. Winston was 2014. He won the Heisman in 13 in 2004. Cause we were Ohio State was playing in 2013 in the Rose bowl. Winston goes pro. That's the Mariota Winston year. And Braxton had gotten hurt and Florida state wanted him to come down there and play quarterback in the worst way. And I was fielding calls from buddies down there who were connected. We really want him to come in. They want him to replace Winston. Jimbo Fisher was still down there at the time. And to me, I remember thinking to myself, that might be a pretty good spot. That might be it. Now I don't, I don't remember. I'm foggy on the, on the shoulder. If it was something that was catastrophic, you couldn't come back from, or it seemed like in my mind's eye, Doug, and you can correct me where I'm wrong. It was almost like, well, this isn't really worth the, the, all of it. Let's move it along and try him at receiver. And, and the revisionist history on that would have been, are we sure that that wasn't rehabable? Like, yeah, you know, I mean, and you do you remember that well in terms no, of what was the dialogue I, around that? Because I don't. I, I think he was. I don't think he fought the move to receiver, which might go toward. Well, would he have been an NFL quarterback if he wasn't that upset about not being a quarterback anymore? Right. That I think he thought it was a good idea. And the shoulder added on to that. And, you know, like I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to go through the rehab because I don't need my shoulder to play receiver and I'm happy to play receiver, right? That I I think maybe there's a world where he would have moved anyway, but I I just think, but I even even think that thinking, even if that's what he thought, I think that's wrong. I think he didn't do it the right way. Agreed. And let's also remember you and I have been around urban a lot and he's an incredibly persuasive human. I mean, this is he that he can sell things. I mean, this is what he did. And he's so good at it, which made him so great. So if you go back and you revisit and you say, all right, what if he goes to Florida State? What if he has the shoulder surgery? 
rehabs it because Florida State was loaded at that time. They weren't what they are now. I mean, Jimbo was still there. They'd won the national title in 13, made to the semifinal in 2014, and he would have followed Winston um, with, I mean, I think Dalvin Cook would have been there at that point. I mean, they would have been quite formidable. Um, and, and what would that have looked like? So then you jump ahead and you say, well, okay, what, what at that time, what was starting to happen in the league? And it hadn't happened all the way yet, but one thing that had happened just a couple of years previous was what was happening in San Francisco, ironically with, with Jim Harbaugh as, as the head coach. Um, but it was that some of that run pass option stuff that they were running with Kaepernick. And they rode that all the way to a Super Bowl. And ironically, the same offensive coordinator who now coordinates Lamar in Baltimore um, was running it there. And so we were starting to open our eyes to it and saying, oh, there's something to this. we got to remember now, guys, again, for the kids, they tried to make Michael Vick a West Coast quarterback. I mean, that's that's what they tried to make him do. They tried to make him something he wasn't. Um, But we started to open our eyes to it a little bit. But you needed somebody to come through and for a coaching staff to say, let's just let him be him. And we were starting to get open-minded to that. Chip Kelly got the job in Philly. Now, it didn't work well, but we were, again, that's another step. Okay, hey, there might be something to this spread stuff. And it's it's interesting. And I don't know if he would have been as prepared for the job. And I know we're comparing him to Lamar. But the first guy that did that, and he had his own draft doubts, but the first guy who got into the league and then they kind of allowed him to play was actually Deshaun Watson, who you and I both loved. Now, he wasn't mm-hmm. – I'm not suggesting that Braxton is Deshaun as a passer. He's not. Um, and the Lamar comparison is far more apt. But they did let Deshaun Watson just play. They let him play. And, and he and then all of a sudden – that opened a lot of things. And could Braxton Miller have been one of the guys – the one thing that we have to remember is Marcus Mariota was certainly not did not have quite the athletic profile of Braxton, but he was a runner, and they tried to make him something he wasn't in Tennessee. So it it was it's it was right at the time when it was starting to change. It would have been about circumstance with him. Um, it would have been about landing in the right spot. You can say that to anybody. Um, but from the other thing, and this just popped into my head when we were talking about Lamar because. The other thing, and, and you have all the measurables. Physically, Braxton Miller's a football player. He's not Robert Griffin the third. So Braxton measured at the combine. Braxton at Ohio State, the year he played quarterback, was listed at 6'2, 215. Yeah. Lamar, his last, last year, was listed at 6'3, 211. Okay. When they got to the combine, Lamar measured at 6'2 and a quarter, 216 pounds. Braxton measured at six, one and a half, two Oh one. But I think Braxton had transitioned from a quarterback body to a receiver body, yep. lost weight to try to be faster. Yep. He had that powerful lower body. I mean, like yes. he had, an, he had a big butt, big thighs, like yeah. can't bring it down. I think he lost some of that trying to play receiver. I think as a quarterback, he would have checked in around two fifteen. They're similar size, but like to your point, Braxton's a dude. Like yes. Braxton, you can't tackle Braxton right away and not just because of the shimmy because he's got some power too. So yeah, you're right. He's a football player that way. Yeah. And so he, he, the, the Lamar one is the best and, and would, would, would the right place have been open-minded enough to allow him to do that? And if it, that would have depended a lot on where he was drafted. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think that's an incredible time period and you'd have to get him you know, he's, he doesn't do a lot of stuff anymore. So, I, you know, I haven't heard from him in a long time. I'd be very curious to know about the conversations that happened from December until I'm going to play receiver at Ohio yeah. state, what that looked like, because there was before he made that tr- switch that he was going to receiver, there was all this talk that it was going to be a three headed quarterback race. And it was going to be an open competition between him and Cardell and JT. If Braxton Miller was healthy, that's not a competition. <laughs> it's not, it's not close. So, there were so many things that happened in that off season. And, and I know this is a podcast for another day, but it led to what was one of the most confounding seasons any of us have ever been around in 2015, where just none of the pieces fit. We'll take a quick break with Bo Bishop. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back with Bo Bishop, Doug Maurice. So I think I'm going to try to say like six things at once that all seem opposite of each other, but I think possibly are all true. Okay. When Braxton Miller played quarterback for Ohio State, he was the best athlete on the field. Yep. I think I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I think 
there actually were at times the games that he missed when he got hurt against Purdue in 2012, the two games he missed in 2013 when Kenny Guyton stepped in against Florida A&M and Cal. I will listen to an argument that when it comes to actually executing quarterback play on a team with talent, I think you could make an argument that there are things about playing quarterback that maybe Kenny Guyton did do better and that you could say, okay, you know what? I think they could do a lot of the same stuff with Kenny. Yeah. But if you got to a game where it was rough and it was a close game and you needed to be bailed out, Braxton Miller is the ultimate bailer outer. He can save you when nothing else is going right. So I think he almost excelled more like when he had less talent around him. But yet at the same time, we have to take into account, this guy wasn't thrown at Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. No. This guy didn't have Michael Thomas as a regular target. Now, listen, Devin Smith was great, but Devin Smith was still developing. Braxton never had the weapon. So I'm saying I think maybe he almost shines more when he's on his own. But we also have to take into account he didn't have the weapons that guys like Justin Fields had around him. But yet, while he was a one-man show, Braxton Miller in 2013, his only real year playing quarterback, attempted 255 passes. Lamar Jackson, who's his two big years playing quarterback, the year he won the Heisman in 2016, he attempted 409 passes. The next year, he attempted 430 passes. In his career, Lamar Jackson threw for 250 yards 16 times. Braxton Miller threw for 250 yards once in his whole career. Lamar Jackson attempted at least 25 passes in the game 26 times in his career. Braxton Miller attempted at least 25 passes in a game five times in his career. Part of this, Bo, I think we have to take this into account, and this is just the reality of the situation. Braxton Miller did not play in a passing offense. So I think sometimes we thought that meant he couldn't pass. There were two versions of the spread that developed. There was the Big 12 run and shoot, throw it all over the place spread, and there was the Urban Meyer power run spread. And that's what Ohio State had. You know, we always people talk about what if what if uh, Terrell Pryor would have had Urban Meyer? Or what if Ted Ginn Jr. would have had Urban Meyer? What if Braxton Miller would have had Ryan Day? Lamar was allowed to be a passer, develop as a passer, while Braxton was never asked slash given the opportunity to develop as a passer that way. So I think if we're making, if I'm trying to make a Braxton Miller, Lamar Jackson comparison, you very easily can go to the stats and say no comparison, but I'm telling you, they didn't even play the same game, man. They didn't even try to do the same thing. And then I do want to get into a little more, little more Lamar specifics because with your NFL, NFL experience, you know that. And you already mentioned you got to put him in the right system. Listen, Lamar's not Tom Brady. No. But you put him in the right system, he could throw it well enough. And what he does with his legs is exceptional. I think Braxton Miller might have fit into he throws it well enough. What he does with his legs are except, is exceptional. Let's roll. And I don't think we – even at his best at Ohio State, Bo – I don't really think we ever got an idea of what he really could have done as a quarterback in a true passing offense. At Ohio State, it's you, you laid out, and I have so many thoughts on it. At Ohio State, Braxton Miller spent the majority of his career as a necessity. So what I mean by that is he was – he was a single man in 2000, 2011 was a, an unmitigated disaster. So his freshman year is a, is a wash. I mean, it's a wasted year. And in, in many ways he went backwards that year. Uh, Fickle's trying to stay afloat. You had the, you know, all of that stuff, Siciliano, all of the craziness around that team. I mean, the, the idea we talk about, you talk about with Baker, with the Browns, like, can you, can you get through the first couple of years? It looks like he has, it, it's an incredible testament to who Braxton Miller is and the talent he has that he got through that first year because that was insane in 2011. 2012, he's a single-wing quarterback. And I remember when we got Urban, everybody thought, you know, oh, this is the spread and all this. It's going to be flash and all of this. Well, yeah, they were going to play with some tempo, certainly. They were going to score more points. They were going to recruit better athletes. But Urban Meyer's not that different from Jim Tressel in this regard. He wants to win the surest way possible. 
That's the reason that for JT Barrett's career, it was a quarterback sneak out of the shotgun on anything sh- third and short, fourth and short, book it. That's what they're running. Why? Because you snap it to the quarterback. He trusts the quarterback more than anybody else, and he can fall forward three yards and get the first down. That is what Braxton Miller was asked to do at Ohio State. He was there to be part of a building of a program. He was not put in a position to be developed as a quarterback for the NFL. It's different than what they're doing now. It's different. And Justin Fields, I don't know if he comes to Ohio State if Urban Meyer is the head coach without Ryan Day as the coordinator. They mm-hmm. definitely aren't getting Quinn Ewers. They're not getting CJ McCord or, or Kyle McCord. They're not getting CJ Stroud. They're they're recruiting a different player now at that position because Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator than they were under Urban. Urban wants quarterbacks who on third and short can run it. So Braxton was not groomed to be an NFL quarterback. Conversely, you mentioned Lamar. For whatever you think about Bobby Petrino, he can call up some ball plays and he will throw the ball all over the field. We remember this at Arkansas with Ryan Mallett. This is what Bobby Petrino came up with. And, and that is what they were running at Louisville when Lamar was there. They were spinning it all over the place. And, and he let him play and he let him develop as a quarterback and he let him take chances. Urban was not in the business of that. Urban was in the business of a, a relentless pursuit of national championships at Ohio State. That's what it was about for him. And it, it's, it's not a fault of Urban's. It's just they were trying to do different things. And, and I think Braxton is, unfortunately for him, in terms of the pro side of it, he did not get the type of coaching that Dwayne Haskins got. He did not get the t- type of coaching that Justin Fields got. He did not get the type of coaching that these kids are going to get now. They did not run the offense that they're running now. They didn't throw the ball down the field. It was a very different offense. They scored a lot of points, but to your point, it was a power run spread, and he was a perfect guy to trigger that, but there wasn't – I don't know if it was in the best interest of him as a pro to be here, quite frankly. Um, And so he's – that's the thing that's so tricky about him because he was so important – but I don't know if the program made him better, more so he elevated the program in its maybe its darkest moment. We are, uh, we are recording this early, and the day we're recording it is the day that the uh, Ohio senator had the news conference about name, image, and likeness. And I wrote this a year ago, and I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but like the, I, think of, I think of Troy Smith. And we had Anthony Gonzalez in the podcast a little while ago, and he said he thinks about Troy Smith when talking about name, image, and likeness. And I think of Braxton. Braxton for what he did. And I don't really mean this, but like he got used by Ohio state and that's not like, that sounds like a bad way to say it. And it is a bad way to say that's the business. So, right. But Ohio state got a lot more out of him. Yes. than he got out of Ohio out of Ohio state. Now, listen, he was adored. I have a texter who named his kid Braxton. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was adored. He is special. He is a guy that fans will tell stories about forever, but he made about 2 million bucks in the NFL at a position that he was never fit to play. Yeah. And he never made any money at Ohio state from doing what he did, which is Bo save the program, which urban says urban would not be acknowledge it. He would not be on this podcast disagreeing with us. He saved urban's bacon and like what, and, and, but he had to save it urban's way. Urban didn't get here and say, let me devise an offense to maximize Braxton Miller's potential. He said, I got a dude who can do this. Let's see if he can carry us on his back yeah. to 24 consecutive regular season wins to start Urban's career. And the answer was yes, he can do that, but not in a way that helped him develop as an NFL quarterback. He's probably the amount of number five jerseys that were sold in those three years, I would think would be equal to any number over a three-year period. Troy comes to mind, certainly. To be fair, a lot of number twos with Terrell Pryor were sold uh, during during his tenure as well. Um, but when, when I saw the name, image, and likeness stuff, um, he's the guy I think about first because he's the guy I covered the most you know, at Ohio State, is that this is a guy who could have – would he have gotten wealthy? No, but he could have made a very nice uh, – put a very nice nest egg aside for his future – uh, at this play. And he had so many interests too, Doug, as you know, I mean, it was beyond, he was into fashion. He was into so many things. Um, it, and, and that's, you know, yeah. I mean, t- he's, he's a guy you think of when you think of that 
who could have benefited, he could have benefited so much. And it is, you know, the other thing about him is, is we say that he will be remembered for saving the program. I hope so. I, I don't true. know that because I don't know if people know that he won the Big Ten Player of the Year two years in a row and that he had a chance to be the only three-time winner of the award and very likely would have won it in 2014 had he not gotten hurt. I don't know if people – he would have rewrote the record books uh, across the board if he was not robbed of that of that senior season. So I hope that people remember it. Um, my – I don't – fear is probably too strong of a word, but I I do wonder if he will become almost a, mythologi- a mythical figure in Ohio State football lore – because while there is the 24 straight wins, there is not that crowning achievement. I mean, they didn't get to play for anything in 2012. So there isn't a national title. There's not a Heisman. There's not a first-team All-American. There's not going to be a tree in the Buckeye Grove for him. And yet I'd say as important as anybody. I don't think it's hyperbole to say he saved the program because I don't think Urban's here if he's not. Note to Doug, podcast on the 10 most important Buckeyes in history. Okay, thank you, Bo. Um so I do. So I do want to do this. So I, I it's, it's very hard, Bo. I very, very specifically remember being at the NFL Combine one year and everybody for a while was into George Whitfield. And then this is not I don't know oh, what yeah. he's doing now. He was he's an Ohio guy. He was Quincy Avery kind of as a guy now who is there's lots of quarterback, private quarterback coaches. What Quincy Avery is now, he's the guy that everybody talks to because he's worked with. Dwayne and Justin and Deshaun Watson and Quincy Avery really knows what he's doing. George Whitfield was on that corner before Quincy Avery. And I remember being at the NFL combine the year before, like when JT was still in school, I think and George Whitfield had worked with JT and George Whitfield talking about all the ways that JT Barrett's going to be an NFL quarterback. And it was like, really? I didn't know that. It was like, Oh, it wasn't true. Like that's all make a note. Young journalists. When you talk to the private quarterback coach who is employed, by that quarterback, you're not getting the truth. No. You're getting the PR. So like yeah. JT Barrett, no offense to JT Barrett, one of the greatest winners in Ohio State history, never an NFL quarterback. No. Just, it's, he just wasn't built for it. Doesn't have the arm for it. Just It's not that. Tremendous college quarterback. Braxton, hard read. Matt Miller, NFL draft guy that we all know and trust to some degree. Summer of 2013. It's, it's hard to find this stuff in the, in the Wayback Archives. Yeah. Summer of 2013. So that's coming off 2012 before the 13 season, but looking ahead a year, his top, he had his top six quarterbacks in that class. Teddy Bridgewater won, turned out to be a first round pick. Taj Boyd, wrong. Lots of people like Taj Boyd at Clemson was first in that line, did not make it as an NFL quarterback. Marcus Mariota, three, four, Johnny Manziel, five, Brett Hundley, six, Braxton Miller. I have a quote from an article from Ben Axelrod later in that 2013 season. Once it started, he talked to an NFL scout on Braxton. He's not a project. He's not a Tim Tebow type player. But at the same time, when you look at the throwing talent of other guys that are going to be in this class, he's not in the top tier either. He's got functional arm strength. He's probably in the middle of 50% of arm strength you see in the NFL. His accuracy has a lot of room for improvement. And that's not even what his, what's his pure completion percentage. Where is he putting the ball? That kind of stuff. So, but we're talking about him, right? That we have to, he was being talked about as an NFL prospect, Bo. And I do think there was a time, and I was guilty of this. I will make sure I, I admit that I am guilty of this. And I did go back and again, this guy could drop some deep balls on the bucket if he needed yep. to. There was a time for all his greatness. I think we could take the shimmy and the shake and the speed. And again, go back and watch this guy escape traffic in the middle of the field when it looks like there's five guys ready to tackle him and none of them do, that translates to the NFL, which is why he's different than Terrell. But I, you could get obsessed with what he couldn't do. Well, I don't, because we did that with quarterbacks more back then. Well, I don't know. Is he, can he throw an out to the sideline? Can he? And then I do think, Bo, part of the evolution with Lamar Jackson and some other quarterbacks is people stop talking about what a guy can't do and they started, let's try to emphasize what he can do. And yep. what he can do is get away from people like nobody else. And let's find throws that he can make. And I think that would have been part of the conversation. If he had been in the draft two or three or four years later, Lamar's in the 2018 draft. Braxton could have been in the 2014 draft if he didn't get hurt. If he stays, if it goes to Florida State, as you said, could have been the 2015 draft. He actually wound up in the 2016 draft, as we know. But he would have been on target. He would have been three or four years ahead of Lamar. 
if you focused on what he can do and not what he couldn't do, okay, great. His accuracy in the NFL is in the middle. Okay, great. Because his shiftiness is in the top 0.1%. So I'll take middle of the road accuracy, decent arm strength, and a guy that you can't tackle. And I think even it's like if we're trying to, to say, hey, he was an NFL draft prospect, I think if he were a draft prospect today, he would be viewed differently and I think more smartly because it, there's always nitpicks, but I think people would have been thinking about how do we build an offense around this guy? I think he would have been. I think right now, if Braxton Miller had just finished the 2020 college football season the way he finished 2013, I'm not saying he would have been a first-round pick, but I think he would have been an intriguing second, third, fourth round pick of let's see if this guy works. What do you think of if you drop Braxton Miller into an NFL environment now as a draft prospect today, would people have a better handle of what to do with him? Well, Trey Lance just went what third, what do you go? Third overall. (sighs) Yep. Okay. So, so, I mean, you want to drop that mic, you drop the mic from (laughs) I mean, so really? what do we want to, what, what are we doing here? I mean, it's, you know, what did you just, and I, and I'm not, I don't, who knows if, but Trey Lance is a much bigger projection in terms of what he will be than what we had seen from Braxton come out of 2013. Um, you, you said something there. It was the quote from Ben's piece where uh, there was the scout who said uh, middle, middle of the NFL road arm strength or something to that effect. Yeah. That, that struck me. Um, and, and you, there, there was basically everything that was in that quote is what people would say about Lamar Jackson yes. now and would have said about him in the lead up to him being drafted. Um, and what happened with Lamar? Well, he gets drafted in Baltimore by uh, Ozzy. Obviously, he's got a pretty good eye for talent. Uh, but I don't know that John Harbaugh wanted Lamar Jackson. I don't think he did in the beginning. But John Harbaugh was smart enough to once he, once he got in, say, and this is a credit to the Ravens organization, okay, he has that wiggle, that escape from his phone booth ability. He has this speed. You can't catch this kid on the field. What can we do to make this easier for him? And they go hire Greg Roman, right? And they get Mark Andrews, and they get him a run game. And all of a sudden, he's in the MVP of the league. Now there's a ceiling to it. And he has to continue to evolve. And I am not suggesting that Braxton Miller would have been Lamar Jackson or that he would have won MVP. I'm not doing that. I'm simply saying that many of the things used, as you just quoted, in 2013 to describe Braxton Miller would have also been true of Lamar Jackson. They have a similar body type, uh, similar abilities from a a breakaway ability, make you miss ability, uh, similar arm strength. Lamar's probably a little better thrower of the football, but Lamar's a first-round pick in the MVP of the league. Could Braxton have evolved into that with with a, a, a quarterback coaching on that level? Maybe, you know, maybe. Maybe if he had gotten to play the 2014 season and they were able to really evolve him as a player with all of those weapons, with Michael Thomas and Zeke Elliott and everything else they had on that team, what would that have looked like? It is an NFL now that is open to the conversation. And you need to look no further than Trey Lance going to San Francisco. You think about what Kyle Shanahan would have liked to have done with this kid. You think about the type of yep. offense. And again, it you never know. That's why this is a fun conversation because you don't know. And, and the sad thing is you never really got a chance to even get to the brink of it because of the injury. And all of the things that happened after 2000 uh, in 2014 in the summer and then, and then afterwards. Um, But I, I think that, that he could have been in the right spot, a team with, with some, some, an ability to see the future of the league. It was just starting at that point. It was just starting the, Hey, you know what, why don't we let these, and and he's not the physical presence of cam, but your cam Newton just uh, was taking Carolina to a super bowl around that time, winning MVP of the league. Um, and Cam's a superhuman from a physical standpoint. I'm not comparing the two, but just an open-mindedness of the NFL to let guys play. And he never got that opportunity. And he was never at Ohio State. They were not in the business of making him an NFL quarterback. 
they were in the dynasty building game and, and he suffered from that, I think. And there was a little bit of talk then about like being a short quarterback. He measures at six, one and a half. Every quarterback in the league is under six, one now. Yeah. Like we've gotten rid of that. We, That's gone. We, we did all of that with Baker and Lamar and Kyler Murray. Like that is dead. Nobody yeah. would have said one word about that. He's fine at six, one and a half. I'm looking at a, at a top They, they list best things at the combine over a period of years, according to them. So I, I double checked this Braxton in the 60 yard shuttle, which is you run five yards and back, you run 10 yards and back, you run 15 yards and back It's speed and agility. Yep. Braxton ran a 10.84. That is one of the 10 best in the last 15 years at all positions. Yeah. And he would have been your quarterback, right? Like he's as shifty and as agile as corners and receivers. And he's your quarterback, his three cone drill, exceptional, that agility. He didn't run as fast as he wanted to at the combine, ran a four five, ran like a four, four, three, maybe in the four threes at pro day. Again, very, very fast, but it's not as pure speed. It's that agility in the middle of the field bow to that you can use offensively to attack, but is also it saves you. He gets out of a sack. He gets out of pressure, turns a negative play into a positive play. That is a, a game changer. That is a lifesaver. And I think that more than anything, Bo, would have translated at the NFL level. And a lot of that is Lamar. Yeah. Just when you think you got him, he's gone. And yeah. he doesn't have to run 80 yards on every play. But if he gets to the edge, it's over. If you think you have him, he wiggles in a, in a tiny little hole jukes a linebacker and gets eight yards when he should have gotten sacked. That's what I think Braxton could have done, which is really a big part of Lamar's game. He was the, he was the first, you're right. He was the first quarterback. I mean, he ran, and this is in the way back machine, but he ran the way Peter Warwick ran. He ran the way Percy Harvin ran Reggie Bush ran. He had this start stop ability um, that you just have never seen at quarterback. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it before or since, not at quarterback. Michael Vick, straight line, absolutely, and he could make you miss and do that stuff. But Braxton's ability to start stop is something that in the league, and, and I guess that is maybe that's why I'm surprised that somebody couldn't carve out a niche for him at receiver. And I remember him in Brown's camp a couple of years ago, and there would be a couple of moments in a training camp where you would go, oh, there it is. And I was so eager to see it just a glimpse, you know, like he's just a guy that 10 plays a game. You could get him the, even if he was on the field, 10 plays a game, he's a threat. Um, but at that point, I think, I don't know if his heart was in it, you know, at that point it was winding down and it was tryouts and it was, you know, in, in the middle of, of summer camp. And, um, but it was, he was a shell of what he was, but still for moments here or there, you'd go, Oh, that's a real one. He still had that, you know, that magic. Um, and it just unfortunately was never nurtured um, in the right spot with the right coordinators. Yes, I do. I, I don't know that he, I don't know that he could have been Lamar. I don't, I mean, I don't know if he had the arm strength that Lamar had, but I also don't think that he was ever coached the way Lamar was coached. And I don't know if he was ever put in the position. And so that is, that is a point you've made that. And I want to make sure I make that too. We're not saying he could have been Lamar. We're yep. saying Lamar Jackson was the freaking MVP, dude. Yes. So if if Lamar was the MVP, could Braxton Miller have been a starting quarterback for somebody? Could he have been the 21st best quarterback in the NFL who gives you a chance to win and maybe gets replaced after a couple of years, but can make some big plays, can make some money? Like that's. He's not Lamar, but if he's 70% of Lamar or 75% of Lamar, I think that's a living as a quarterback. He is a better runner, and I would argue a better passer than Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts won the job in Philly. He's the presumptive starting quarterback going into year two, and they didn't draft a quarterback in this draft in Philly. He's better than Jalen Hurts in 2013 going into 2014. There's not... There's not a thing you could tell me to convince me that Jalen Hurts, and you got to remember, Jalen Hurts was not thinking he was going to be a quarterback either, but what did he do? Tua wins the job. He goes to Lincoln Riley. He goes to school of quarterback. And what do they turn him into? Heisman candidate, second round pick, starting quarterback of the Eagles. I mean, look no further than that. It's a great comparison. I mean, Braxton clearly is a, is a better athlete than Jalen Hurts. He's a better quarterback. So- 
I just, and it's just, and again, we're not blaming anybody here. We just, I think we have to acknowledge the reality of the situation and what this guy did and sort of didn't get the opportunity to do. And I do think people maybe underestimate it still to the texters. If Braxton Miller hadn't hurt his shoulder and had turned pro after 2013, what round would he have been drafted in? The choices I gave were first round, second round, third and fourth as one answer, fifth, sixth, seventh as one answer, undrafted as one answer. Third, fourth round pick won that, Bo. 52% said third or fourth round pick. 25% said second round pick. Twice as many people said fifth, sixth, seventh as they did first. I think I agree with that. I think like take a shot in the third, maybe if you want to take a shot in the second. But if I had to vote on that, Bo, I think I could have seen him. Why not? Because the upside's there. Braxton Miller has a third or fourth round pick, I think makes a lot of sense. Do you have the quarterbacks who were selected in the 2013 draft by chance? So, okay. So, I, I just pulled up the 2013. Is this or 2014 sure. NFL it's actually draft? 2014, right? Yeah, because he would have played in 13 and been in the draft in 14. So that's like, that's, that's James. Johnny time. No, it's, that, it's Jameis is the next year. Jameis is 15. This is. Blake oh Bortles, Johnny Blake Bortles and J- Johnny Manziel to the Browns. Mm. And then Derek Carr as like a second round flyer who hits. So like Johnny Manziel is interesting, Bo, because that's a guy who made his bones sort of making crazy plays. He beat yeah. Bama making crazy plays. That's Teddy Bridgewater, who people sort of the year before saw as the top top quarterback in that group. He goes in the last pick in the first round, but that's, that's Bridgewater, Carr, Garoppolo are like the Logan Thomas from Virginia Tech was a fourth round pick. If Logan Thomas is a fourth yeah. round pick, Braxton Miller is a third round pick or a second round pick. And I don't I, Johnny Manziel to me, Bo, is not a terrible in the ballpark kind of comparison. No, Braxton, I don't think right? so either. I just think he also got to play in, the, as you mentioned earlier, he got to play in the Texas spread. That's Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M. Let's run around, throw it all over the place. Urban spread was let's run it all around, but let's get vertical. Let's get horizontal to get vertical and run with it. It wasn't let's get horizontal to hope somebody breaks deep and throw it to him. It was a totally different mindset that he was playing in. Yeah, this is actually an incredibly poor quarterback draft. You know, are we sure that a team at the end of the second, certainly in the third round, I mean, that seems to me, that seems to me. I mean, he would have if if he doesn't get hurt, if he doesn't get hurt in the Clemson game, it's a guy who was 24 and 2 in his last yeah. 2 years. He's a winner. He's a supreme athlete at the position. He's as shifty as any guy who's ever played the position and he can throw it yeah. probably good enough. So let's yeah. try it. Yep. And let's commit to it. Would Bra- if Braxton Miller hadn't hurt his shoulder, would he have been a successful NFL starting quarterback? No, 61%. Yes, 39%. And I do think, Bo, there's two things we're talking about here. We're talking about where you get drafted, and we're talking about what you wind up being. I think we have definitively established this guy is like no worse than a third-round pick. Does it work long-term? Does it actually hit? It goes back to what you said at the very first five minutes, which is he would have had to go to the right team in the right system with the right coaches that would have taken advantage of his strengths and hidden his weaknesses. So the idea that this is like a 60, 40, no, I actually think is probably about right because I think, I don't know that it would have been 50, 50 that it would have worked, but I, there's at least a chance. There's a real chance. I think it would have worked. Well, and to, to further the point you just made uh, would, if, if you were asked that same question about Dwayne Haskins right now, what would the answer be? Like, I like Dwayne coming out, but like Dwayne has his own issues. I mean, Dwayne right. is, is all arm, no mobility. And it's we, like in we, the league right now. We've, we've had one, Brax, uh, Baker Mayfield's the only quarterback in the last five years that's not on a, that's, that's in the top five who's still with the team who drafted him. Yep. Like, you know, Sam Darnold's on his second team. Josh Rosen's where he's out of the league. I don't even know where he is. Like, it's really hard. It's a hard position. There's a million things that go into it. And, and talent ain't enough. I mean, I, I saw it firsthand with the Browns, how you, you can have somebody that comes in cocksure and ready and possesses everything you want in a quarterback, but if you put them in an impossible spot, you can drive them to failure and questioning everything. So 60-40, I, 
I think that's fair because it, it would have taken a specific place, but that I think applies to anybody who's drafted except for, you know, Peyton Manning and those guys who transcend organizations. And honestly, right now, Bo, the quarterbacks in the NFL that don't hit, they're not, they don't fail because they're not accurate enough. They fail because they're not athletic enough. Yeah. Because there is an assumption of athleticism at the position right now that runs from Patrick Mahomes to Kyler Murray to Carson Wentz to Josh Allen that you have to be able to do things on your own. You have to be able to make plays out of nothing. Braxton Miller and Josh Allen could not be more different as athletes, but they are both supreme athletes who got a little, or, you know, aren't the world's most perfect throwers, but they can make something happen, Bo. And this is a quarterback league now that is a make something happen league. So if Braxton Miller was six years younger, again, he's right in that window. He's right in that window. Yeah, and, and the, the, the thing that you hear around the league, the, the phrase you hear over and over again, listen to any Monday press conference, explosive plays. Now you can get explosive plays out of the quarterback position in two different ways. You can get it with explosive arm strength, or you can get it with explosive legs. Those two things allow for the home run ball, the, the, the six to seven plays a game where you take the top off on third and 17, you scramble and get a first down those explosive plays. Those are game changing plays that, and, and Patrick Mahomes is one of the guys who can do it with both. You can do it in a lot of different ways. Lamar does it with his feet. Uh, Josh Allen is starting to be somebody who can do it with both. But the explosive part of it is how you stay in the league. Do you have an ability to make explosive plays? Baker Mayfield throws a fantastic deep ball. He keeps pockets alive. He's got incredible accuracy. That's what allowed him to get through a tough spot early in Cleveland. And, and the same would have been true in, in for, for Braxton, if, to your point, if he were coming out – if his 2013 season would have been 2019 and he's in the 2020 draft, he goes ahead of Jalen Hurts, to my point earlier. He's more accomplished. He's a more sure thing at the quarterback position than Jalen Hurts was at Alabama, certainly. But Hurts went to Oklahoma and became a quarterback. And and Braxton's and, – and Jalen, by the way, does not have the explosive plays. He does not have the start-stop that Braxton does. He does not have the top-end speed that Braxton does. I don't even think he's the thrower Braxton is. I don't. Braxton, I mean, you go back. You can find Braxton throwing 55-yard bombs Michigan right on game. receiver's hands. Up there, right on 2013. Right on his hands. Yeah. You can find, I mean, the, the, the Devin Smith touchdown against Wisconsin, he evades one rusher by stepping inside. He evades another rusher by running away from him. He throws it 45 yards off his back foot into the end zone with 20 seconds left. And that, who, he's 19. Who, who makes that play? He's 19. Yeah. As a freshman, who makes that play to beat Russell Wilson? Like yeah. guys don't make that play. And you yeah. can watch it. Ever, the whole secondary, let, they run, let Devin Smith run by him, run by them. You know why they let Devin Smith run by him? Because they were sucked up by Braxton Miller. Because yeah. it's like that guy starts running and you freak out. Yes. And, and they would still freak out in the NFL. That's the thing, yes. Bo. Nobody freaks out about a fast receiver no. because receivers are fast. Well, you'll put a safety over top of them. Well, whatever. We'll drop a zone. We'll cover two. We're good. But a fast quarterback and a shifty quarterback still freaks people out because Braxton, to me, Bo, a lot of it, and Urban said this a lot, he wasn't the world's greatest scrambler, frankly. A lot of it was called runs, but it's the element of surprise. And when you can prepare for Braxton, and that's what teams did, they're running that wildcat nonsense in 2015 that never worked. Everybody knew exactly what was coming. You put him at receiver, he's a slot receiver. Okay, he's going to run out. He's going to run an eight-yard cross, and we'll cover it. When he's taken a snap, and he could do anything, Braxton, when you're not sure what he's going to do, is a monster. And the only way that you could do that is by playing him at quarterback and having him throw enough to keep him honest and then run to kill him. And once he lost that element of surprise, whether it was in 2015 in the Wildcat or whether it was at receiver in the NFL, he just wasn't the same guy. It was the option of it, right? It was the option that I can do both. Yep. I'm good enough with this to the scouts credit who said middle of the NFL from an arm strength. That's good enough. 
If you're best in the NFL with feet, that's good enough to make it work. And if you, you want to talk about how scary it is to, to play against somebody like Lamar Jackson, look at what the Cleveland Browns just did this offseason in, in free agency and in the draft. They drafted Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, who's a guy who can play all over the field. He can play linebacker, play safety. They're going to play predominantly three safeties most of the time next year. By the way, three safeties that all look the same and who can all run. Why? Because they got to contend with Lamar Jackson. In the NFL, it's funny. People think, you know, go win a Super Bowl. In the NFL, the, the, the mindset is go win the division. If you win the division, it gets you in the dance, and then you can go worry about the Super Bowl. But the objective is win the division. And Lamar Jackson, the explosive plays, the times on third down where he makes something out of nothing, they break your back. Braxton had that ability. He did. We witnessed it. Last two text or poll questions right after this. We'll be back with Bo Bishop. All right, wrapping up with our good friend Bo Bishop, who gets paid. He gets paid by two different outlets to talk. He's talking for free. On Buckethead. This is this is a, a huge bargain, a huge bargain we are getting out of Bo Bishop is talking about Braxton Miller in the same conversation as Lamar Jackson. Reasonable. These were the options I gave the texters. Yes, totally reasonable. Great comparison. Yes, but it's a bit of a reach. No. Come on, Doug. Jackson was a rare talent. Braxton just wasn't on that level as an NFL prospect. 50 percent said yes, but it's a bit of a reach. 31% said yes, totally reasonable. Only 19% said no. So 81% of the people, Bo, think this podcast at least makes some sense, which I'm glad to hear. And then the thing we've been talking about all night is just kind of was Braxton Miller like a little bit ahead of his time? Would a healthy Braxton Miller have had a better chance of being an NFL quarterback if he had come after Lamar Jackson instead of before him? The yeses beat the noes 84% to 15%. Yes, much better chance after Jackson was 43%. Yes, slightly better chance after Jackson was 41%. So that's people acknowledging this, bow. I do think in the end, he got squeezed by the circumstances and the style of play at Ohio State. But I do think some part of this, you, you were very smartly mentioned, Kaepernick, you know, RG3 was before Braxton. They were, it was the beginning, the beginning of it, just the beginning. But we were still having hype conversations around Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Lamar, I think, really cracked it open. Kyler Murray followed up. I think without Lamar, I don't think Kyler Murray's the first pick the I next agree. year. I think everybody's acknowledged that. Even Josh Allen in a different way because he's much bigger, but it cracked it open. It, Lamar cracked the code of give me somebody special and let's figure it out. And if Braxton could have been four or five years later, he is special and somebody, I think, at the NFL level would have tried to figure it out with him. Yeah, and I, you know, I keep certainly this wasn't the intent when when we started this, but I just I do keep coming back to Jalen Hurts because that's that's the guy who's a second round pick. And if you put Jalen Hurts in 2014-13, or I guess Braxton ended up being drafted in 2016 after all was said and done, he's not a second round pick. Um, and if he doesn't go to Oklahoma, he's not a second round pick, but it was the circumstances that led to it. Um, there, there were so many stigmas that allowed for Kyler and, and, and even Baker with being a short quarterback, you know, like that allowed for Kyler and it, it's the NFL is open-minded now we, they've opened their mind to, Oh, that what else can we do here? And it was just starting in the mid teens. It was just starting to open our mind to that. And there was almost a, this is why Lamar's so significant. The feeling at that time was almost if you weren't people forget how big Kaepernick was and how strong he was and how fat he was such a strider. Nobody forgets how big Cam Newton was. Cam Newton got to play this way, but Cam Newton's the size of a defensive end. Lamar was a guy who who was at 6162210 and able to do it. He opened a lot of these things, and Braxton would have benefited tremendously from that. I, I think even had it been available to him in 2013-14, somebody takes a flyer if he stays at quarterback. I think you make a very astute point. As soon as you take him out of the quarterback position, it's kryptonite a little bit because now you know what he is. It was the uncertainty around him, um, and, and that was frankly magical, Doug. I mean, we would watch those games, and you, would, you didn't know what – 
That's why I said it's the most fun I've ever had watching Ohio State football. They were not the best teams, not far from it. And the offenses were not what they are now, not by a damn stretch. But his individual ability at that position, I had never seen previously or since in college football. Personally, in terms of a guy I covered and watched with my own eyes. His ability to make people miss, make something out of nothing, do it routinely, I'd never seen anything like it. And that type of explosiveness, that type of unique ability, there's a place for that in the league. And would it have been a 15-year career at MVP? No, probably not. But he would have played. And he would have played quarterback. And I think he would have won some games. And I think he would have been dangerous. So I'm going to do something here real quick, Bo. This is the difference between you and me. You are a professional radio host, and you just ended the show, and I should be saying thanks, Bo, for being here. We really appreciate your time because you just dropped the mic and ended the show, but I forgot to say something that I wanted to say, so I'm going to double back and like oh, ruin, ruin the vibe. No. So the last thing is this. I think, I, I think we have to mention this. I don't know that Braxton Miller would have been comfortable being a franchise quarterback with all the things that go with being that off the field. You're in front of the media every week. You're doing that kind of stuff, right? He never felt completely comfortable with that at Ohio State. He's a little bit of a laid back guy, right? I don't think he, I, I think he might be more comfortable, sort of like he, his personality, I think might fit receiver better than it fits quarterback, which is maybe why I think he didn't yeah. fight that move. But I think he would have been a guy. It's like once he got to the league and he starts doing stuff and busting his butt and making plays nobody saw before the guys in the locker room would have been like, that's our guy. And he's super cool. He is like magnetic in like the, I would like to be like him kind of thing. He's not going to be a rubber guy. Like he's not like Baker at all. I don't know what Lamar is like from a personality standpoint, but I do think that if Braxton's person that like JT's got that in spades, JT mm -hmm. is like, let me carry from a personality leadership burden. I got it. Braxton wasn't that, that certainly does matter in the NFL bow for a quarterback. And we see it with Baker Mayfield, but I think he could have gotten past it. And I think he could have found a way to do it. But I do think that is some factor of maybe why he didn't fight to stay at quarterback. A couple of things on that. And again, I, and, and I love the people at Ohio state, Jerry Emig, especially do you remember those early press conferences with him? And you remember he would, we would go upstairs at the shoe in that, in that interview room that we would go in and there would be 40 people surrounding him and he would be in a chair and he would look up and see all of these cameras. I mean, he, this is a Huber Heights Wayne's kid, man. Like he didn't play at South Lake Carroll, right? He didn't have, it's the Dayton market. Like I'm sure he was interviewed, but he wasn't, it wasn't somebody who had a, a, a microphone. And as a freshman, he's thrust into Tatgate and Fickle and Devere Posey coming back from the, for the Penn State game and the cloud of Terrell Pryor hanging over him. All of those things are happening. And then it, and once Urban got there, it started to open up a little bit. But at that point, Urban was such a sensation and such a cult of personality that all of us just wanted to hear what Urban had to say, because it was so refreshing to have somebody who answered everything that we asked, right? Like he would answer it. For sure. And so it was almost like, I don't know if, and again, that goes, to, I think you're right. And, and I think you make a great point to maybe he didn't fight to play quarterback because maybe he was more comfortable. But I also don't know if he was prepared to be a quarterback the way that he would have been prepared now to be a quarterback. If you think about the way – and th these guys are – diff. he was not an Elite 11 guy. You know, he didn't have an Amazon Prime series like Justin Fields did. That's, that's not what he was. It was a different time, you know. Social media wasn't the way that it was. These guys coming to Ohio State now, they get – 200,000 followers on Instagram. They're talking all the time. They're, it was different. He was, a, he was a big fish in a small pond who got thrust into the biggest pond. And I don't know that he was ready for it. And I agree with you. I think there were many times where you'd ask him a question, you'd get a three or four word answer. And I think he just kind of viewed it as like, I, I just got to, he never felt comfortable in it. He just never did. So I think you bring up a very good point there. Braxton Miller, we could talk about him all night. We did talk about him all night. I know there are certain people who they would, there's not another Ohio State player they'd rather hear people talk about for an hour. He is a guy that he are, he's a lot of people's favorite player, especially of a certain generation. I mean, I think if you were a student at Ohio State when Braxton Miller played there, I think he might be your favorite player forever. 
You know, if you were 10 year old kid watching Braxton Miller and listen, Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa and all those guys, they won a national title and they're awesome. There's something about Braxton that he is a guy that for some people, you're not going to get any better at Ohio State and you're not going to get any better than Bo Bishop. Bo, man, I love talking to you. It's good to be with you. Um, Congrats on all the success. Again, for people who don't listen to Bo on a regular basis, you're losing out. You catch him uh, talking Cleveland Browns. And then you catch him on 97.1, the fan talking Ohio State with our friend James Laurinaitis, just to make sure I, I was kind of, again, that I didn't do that great, Bo. That wasn't professional. I would no, have fine. I should have had the producer in my ear telling me what I should be saying. Just for the people who want to catch more of you, where can they, where can they listen to you? Nine to noon, the fan, Bishop and Laurinaitis in Columbus. Uh, one to three, Cleveland Browns daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Uh, Browns app, 97.1, the fan app. Devour it, kids. Pleasure to be on with you, my friend. Always love talking to you. So, and by the way, this is like, uh, I like to do the off-air stuff on the air, give the people the inside baseball. So I got got this book coming out in September and they were saying like, hey, do you know any media people who might like mention your book? And I was like, "Uh, call Bo. That's right. So so you got, uh, so not only did I steal an hour and 10 minutes of your life for free, I'm looking for a little free pub. I look forward to that shows because james is in it james better publicize it he got a whole chapter um so geez you know i I would have done if they let me do a media book bo bishop chapter six boom next time right and you go back to speak at the medill school you can you can mention hey here's a guy who's doing radio in two different markets it's incredible no one's doing that in the same day i'm telling you Great voices of Columbus media. How can that not be a seller? Chapter one, Tim, Tim May. Chapter two, Bo Bishop. We're off to a roaring start. Bo, thanks for everything. We appreciate having you. Thanks to you guys for listening. I'm Doug Maurice for Bo Bishop. That was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>